Listeners, I know we all love to clink clink, but maybe you're looking to clink clink and cut back. You know what I mean? Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? Well, recess is a great tool to assist you because recess mocktails are 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, sweetened with agave, infused with functional ingredients, and they taste just like your favorite cocktails, just without the alcohol. I love the Recess Paloma because I love the ritual of pouring myself a lovely drink to unwind. I love doing that every night. I think it's essential. Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails is my go-to to go chill. So get 15% off Recess Mocktails now at takearecess.com slash clink. And you too can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Clink, clink. Fun fact, listeners. Actually, not so fun fact. Did you know we're eating and drinking roughly a credit card's worth of plastic a week? Yep, that's right. The products we're using every day are ultimately contaminating our water supply, generating hundreds of microplastics that we end up ingesting. So Blue Land set out to do something about it by eliminating the need for single-use plastics in the products we reach for the most. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful, cohesive design that look great on your counter. Fill your reusable bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. Refills start at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. It's really a game changer because it's such a space saver in my crazy life. No more bulky bottles of liquid filling up my cabinets and my Costco cart. I love it. And you will love this. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash clink. You won't want to miss this. blueland.com slash clink for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash clink to get 15% off. Hi, and welcome to Housewives of True Crime. Welcome. Welcome. I am Tabitha. Give me Dateline, white wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like white wine, true crime, and in bed by nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are Housewives of True Crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. How's it going? What? How's it going? Oh, it's going, Gretchy. Yeah. It's a long week. It's a rough week, right? It's been a sad week. Yeah. Anyways, let's um let's clink clink to that, Gretchy. We're drinking a little rose vodka with yep. bye. Bye tea. B- bye bye bye. B A I. Yeah. Bye bye bye. Yeah. Just like you know, that. like in sync. Yeah. Isn't that in sync? Yeah. Justin Timberlake did the commercial. Oh, he's so cute. He is. I so still cute. love him, you guys. Some people really are giving him some shit. Oh no, I still love him too. I know. You ready to do this? I am ready to do this. Okay, let's do this. Okay, today, Tabby, I'm going to tell you about the case of Denise Amber Lee. This is a case that was suggested to me by Christine Franks, a listener. Thank you, 
listener, Christine. Christine, thank you. Mm-hmm. We love listener suggestions. Yeah, we do. She gave me this one. This one came my way a while ago, and it was real difficult for me to get through. And I hemmed and hawed about doing it because I found it so disturbing. (laughs) But um, after giving it a lot of thought, I thought it needs to be told because Denise is more courageous than I can imagine being. And there are so many valuable lessons that we probably need to learn. And so after I learned a lot about it, I almost felt like it would be irresponsible of me not to tell her story. And given that I'm in such a funk this week, kind of suits my mood to be depressed. You have been depressed. I'm a real drag. All week, man. She's sick and she's sad. sad. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So in 2008, Denise Amber Lee was a 21-year-old stay-at-home mother of two little boys, Noah and Adam. I like both of those names. Biblical. Yeah. She lived in Northport, Florida, where you can buy a decent house for around 150K. And for 600K, you can buy a baller house. Kind of like... The last one we did in Florida. Well, you could buy a house with a guest house. And in between, you know, the thing out there in Florida is to have a screened in pool. So you're like outside, but no bugs can get in. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, I'll show you a picture. Okay. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The population in Northport is around 57,000. So not too big, not too small. Yeah. Right. Her husband, Nathan, worked for a power company and said that although they weren't rolling in the dough, they lived a very happy, comfortable life. Denise and Nathan met when they were in high school. Denise played the flute and Nathan played the trumpet. I played the flute too. You did? I did. I still have it. Well, I played the recorder in the fourth grade. Everybody plays the recorder. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You have to choose to play the flute. Okay. Fancy pants. A month after they started dating, it was Valentine's Day and they did what all the kids do on Valentine's Day. They went to the mall. (laughs) They still do that? I think they still do. I think they go on Amazon. No, I don't think the kids go on Amazon. I think that's how the mall stays in business because all the moms like us just go on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Kids are at the mall. Okay. Okay. Okay, so while they were at that mall, Nathan bought Denise a sweet little heart-shaped ring. That's how you show everyone your boot up, Tab. Yeah, that's cute. You know, your is it a promise ring? Well, I don't know, but you know, you get a piece of jewelry that you wear and then you change your status on Facebook. That's how the kids do it. Okay. Okay. Cute. Anyways, when Denise was 19 and Nathan was 21, the two got married and he bought her a beautiful engagement ring, which she wore, but she still never took off that heart-shaped ring that he bought her that first Valentine's Day trip to the mall. Oh, Right? So Thursday, January 17th, 2008, started out like any other day for the Young Lee family. Nathan left for work before dawn without waking Denise. He called her later that morning and told her, it's such a nice day. 
turn off the AC and open the windows so we can save some dinero. Right. Mm-hmm. She said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And that she's planning on giving the boys haircuts. So, I mean, that sounds like same kind of shit I talk about with my husband. Typical. Yeah. Typical married yeah. people shit. Okay. So that afternoon when Nathan got off work, he called Denise again. She didn't answer this time, which was unlike her. Clearly, she's probably more responsible than me because I leave my phone off in other rooms, whatever. Anywhere. Anywhere, right? Okay, so he kept calling. In fact, he called seven times. And when he got back to the house, he was relieved because he had started to worry because she hadn't been answering, but he saw her car in the driveway. So he was relieved, but that relief didn't last long because as soon as he walked in the door, he noticed the house was really hot and the windows were closed and he heard the boys crying in their room. He went and checked it out. The boys were okay, but Denise was nowhere to be found. He knew immediately that something was really wrong, just as I imagine either of our husbands would if we had left our kids alone and they discovered it when they walked through the door. And so at 3.29 p.m., Nathan called the police. The next call he made was to Denise's father. Her father was a police sergeant. And so with Nathan's concern and her father's clout, this immediately led to a countywide search for Denise. Yeah. How old was Denise at the time? 21. Okay. Her father raced over to the house and so did police who immediately treated it like a crime scene, even taping off the whole road to preserve evidence. Detectives on the scene interviewed the surrounding neighbors to see if anyone had seen anything. And one of the neighbors that police spoke to said that, in fact, she had seen a car in front of Denise's house that she'd never seen before. She said it was a green Camaro. And she also said she took a good look at the driver. But when she did, he stared her down so much so that she was frightened enough to go back inside her house around 2 p.m. Well, she got a good look. Yeah, she did get a good look. Okay. But I don't know if anyone's ever scared me enough to go back in my house and I've just gone back in my house and not thought anything of it. Well, you remember last week I had that incident with the weird driver with the towel over his head. Oh, yeah. That's pretty scary. Yeah, that was scary. Did we talk about that? We have not talked about it. Let's talk about it on the bonus episode. Okay. So that was 2 p.m. The neighbor saw the green Camaro. Then something big happened at 6.14 p.m. Denise called the police. She managed to get a hold of her abductor's phone and call 911. From the call, you can tell she is being driven around by him and she is somehow restrained. Does the operator answer the phone? It's interesting. I'm going to play you some of the call. Okay. Hello? What's your name? Your name's Denise? Oh, God, I 
You heard that. So what is really striking is the way she had the wherewithal to answer the dispatcher's questions while acting like she was talking to her abductor. Yeah, super smart. Yeah, super smart. So after the call was through, the recording was sent over to her father to identify her voice, and he confirmed it was her. Her parents and husband were both hopeful and terrified at this point because they knew she's still alive, and they thought, but the police can use the call to track her location from the cell phone. Yeah. So at 6.23 p.m., another leading phone call came in. This time, it was from a brave 17-year-old girl who had the wherewithal to do the right thing and call 911 because her father had just told her that his cousin had been over to the house to borrow a shovel and a gas can. And although his cousin had told the father that he needed to borrow the items to dig out a lawnmower that had fallen in a ditch, it was alarming because the father had seen a young woman trying to escape his vehicle. And apparently the cousin shoved her back in. The vehicle the cousin drove was a green Camaro. And the cousin's name was Michael King. Michael what? King. King. Okay. Okay. I thought you were going to say Kane. No, not Kane. (laughs) And then I was getting really worried. No, I don't know if I would have like immediately been like, oh, my dad just told me some crazy shit. I'm going to call 911. Especially at 17. At 17. But that's amazing. So the dad didn't even say call 911 on no, cousin She just did it. Mike. Yeah. Okay. So why the F the father didn't stop him or call 911 himself at this point, I, I don't understand. But I love this 17-year-old. Her name is Sabrina Muxlow. Okay. So she's pretty awesome for having Mm -hmm. the balls to act immediately. So I am just speculating this, but I think that Sabrina told her father that she had made the phone call. And then he got to thinking like, oh shit, I should call too, because now they're going to associate me with him when they bust him. Because at 6.50 PM, which is 27 minutes after Sabrina's call, Harold Muxlow called the police and said, He had seen a woman in his cousin's car and she shouted, call the cops. And his cousin told him not to worry about it and shoved her back into the car and drove off. Okay. Okay. Well, rewind a little bit to when police got the phone call from Sabrina, they acted swiftly because now they had Michael King's name and address. So they headed over to his residence and surrounded it. They hear voices and bust in the house, but what they heard was just the television and there was no sign of Denise or Michael King. Oh God. There was evidence that she had been there though. There was a room with a blanket on the ground and a water cup and duct tape wadded up with long strands of brown hair in it. So at this point, a massive effort is being made to find Denise. Neighboring counties have sent in reinforcements and the city is blocked off at every exit point while police are searching for the Camaro. After another 911 call then came in and it was from another woman who, again, had their wherewithal 
to see something and say something. This call was from Jane Kowalski. She did not know anything about the kidnapping in progress involving young mother Denise Lee. She just told the dispatcher that she was following a man driving a green Camaro on I-41. She said she was sure she was not overreacting and that she had heard terrifying screams coming from the man's vehicle. And so she also said she saw a hand come up and start banging on the passenger window. She oh made eye God. contact with the driver and she says the look he gave her was chilling. She tried to follow the vehicle, but while she was on the phone with dispatch, she lost him. But still, we know Denise is alive, right? And they know approximately kind of where she where is. Where she is. Yeah. And there are 50 additional patrol cars out under the circumstances. Okay, well, the call had been directed to the neighboring county of Charlottesville when she dialed 911. Okay. Okay. And so maybe this particular dispatcher wasn't aware of how fucking nuclear important that was because she never dispatched a patrol car. No way. Mm-mm. Even though Jane had given her cross-street information and relayed that she thought it was a child abduction in process. So even if this dispatcher doesn't know about Denise, when somebody tells you they think they see a child abduction, that's enough to go. Just see. Crazy. Get people out there. Check it out. But she didn't. Okay, so let's all just sit with that for a minute. That's... I don't even like to sit with that. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't until the next day when Jane was watching the news that she realized that what she had witnessed was the abduction of Denise Lee. And so she called authorities again to identify herself and say, oh, hey, I'm the woman who called 911 the night before. And she just wanted to be available to them to see if there was anything else that she could do to be of any assistance. But this was the first time they had heard of her or her call into 911. And it was too late. At 9.15 p.m., six hours after Denise had been abducted from her home, police spotted a Camaro trying to leave town, and they pulled over Michael King. When they pulled him over and searched his Camaro, they found a flashlight, a shovel, and a gas can, and no Denise. Her father, the police sergeant, was notified that they had apprehended the suspect, but he said that hearing there was no sign of Denise and him being in law enforcement. He knew. He knew. If they hadn't found her alive with him, she was already dead. They brought Michael King into interrogation, but he gave up nothing and just asked for an attorney right away. Upon further inspection of his vehicle, they found his cell phone with the SIMS card and the battery removed. So at the end of that 911 call, you can tell he realizes that she is, she's on his phone. And so he did what a smart criminal would do and take out the battery and the SIMS card. Yeah. So that they can't track it. What else they found was a heart-shaped ring with a strand of hair wrapped around it. Nathan 
we identified the ring at the police station as the one Denise had treasured since their first Valentine's Day. And her father said she was so smart and always thinking, and that's why she had taken her hair out by the root and wrapped it around the ring that she never took off. And she did this to help law enforcement identify her. Oh my gosh. She's like a real smart yeah, lady, but she, she also has a father that probably taught her a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, search teams were dispersed in all open areas and not far from where Michael King was pulled over. Denise's body was found in a shallow grave by search dogs. She had been sexually assaulted and died of a single gunshot wound to the head. Denise's mother was home when she heard reports that they had sent the search teams home, but she still held out hope until she saw the look on her husband's face when he walked through the door. He had to tell her Denise's body had been identified. Michael King was charged with the assault and murder of Denise Amber Lee. At the trial, the prosecution presented all the DNA evidence and summarized that Michael had actually seen Denise outside cutting her boy's hair and that she would have convinced him to just take her and leave the boys. Then he took her to his house where he raped her and then put her in the car and tied her up and then took her with him to go get the shovel at his cousin's house and then went out to find a place to shoot and bury her. Yeah, I just, I can't can't imagine being like, yeah, I mean, of course, that's what we would do, right? It's like, just take me, leave my children. But I can't imagine that she acted so intelligently under these circumstances yeah where you're freaking the fuck out yeah but she's probably only thinking like of her children gotta stay alive yeah Yeah. what can i do and she could have stayed alive that's the super sad part of it so the defense's argument was an attempt to give the jurors reasonable doubt, theorizing that it could have been one of Michael's friends, but blah, 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 you know, they got a job to do. Okay. They didn't have the Casey Anthony lawyer. No, they didn't. Okay. So justice prevailed. Yay. And he was found guilty of assault and murder at the sentencing. The prosecution recommended death, but Michael King's attorneys asked the court to consider that Michael King had a limited brain capacity because he was in a sledding accident as a child. And up until this point, he had led a good life as a father to a 13-year-old son, as well as he was a good boyfriend and a plumber. It was surprising to me to learn that he didn't have a history of drug or alcohol abuse or domestic violence. But he is described by acquaintances as really insecure and mentally impaired. People say that he's like the guy that often exaggerated things to make himself sound more important. I know that type, but I know that type too. And I don't let them in my bubble because they bug me. Yes. Right. They do bug me also, but that doesn't create a murder. No. And this is interesting. His former sister-in-law said in an interview that when her sister was in a relationship with him, she bossed him around and took advantage of him. She speculated that given Denise's striking resemblance to her sister when she was younger, 
that the sight of Denise could have just triggered Triggered. Michael. And that's why he snapped and took Denise. I bet you that's it. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So Michael's brothers spoke on his behalf, asking the court to spare his life because it would punish his son that hadn't done anything wrong. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I'm not really like super pro death penalty, mostly because I think it doesn't work. It just costs us all a lot more money. But I also think like, I don't think it's better for the son to have to deal with his father in prison for the rest of his life. I I don't think think it's easier Then he feels like burdened by it and he's got to go visit him and whatever. Like, I feel like it's better for the kid to be able to sort of put it behind him. I don't know. I don't think the son should be even considered in this. Honestly, I mean, he obviously is not a good father or a good father figure. I'm saying if you consider the son, consider death. Well, I know that's what you're saying, but... This is one of those cases to me, it's clear as day who it is. There's no question, right? So the death penalty in this case, I don't know. It's his only, I I don't, I have a really, if I was the family, I would want the death penalty. I'll tell you that. Well, they did. And the Florida courts sentenced him to death. And Denise's father gave a statement that he will be there to watch him get the lethal injection and get him sent to wherever he belongs. I would be like her father. Yeah. Denise's husband, Nathan, sued the city of Charlottesville for failing to redirect the 911 call. And eventually he settled for $1.2 million. Not enough. Not enough, but he said he settled because he wanted to move on and do other things. And by the way, half of that, he had to pay an attorney fees. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. He set up a college fund for his kids and he bought a modest home and which good dude, he's single dad. I mean, childcare is a lot. These were little boys. Yeah. He now focuses much of his time on the Denise Amber Lee Foundation which goes around to law enforcement agencies and gives them tools on dispatch reform. He went on Dr. Phil and shared Denise's story. He has since remarried and has a beautiful blended family now with his wife, Tanya. He remains close with his former in-laws who are supportive of him traveling around and speaking for the foundation. I admire how it's been 12 years since she passed. But his work with the foundation has remained diligent and strong every year. I'm going to read you his recent Facebook post just this past January 17th. He said, I just want to thank everyone for the messages today. It means so much. Hard to believe that today it has been 12 years since I heard Denise laugh at the sound of one of my stupid jokes. It's been 12 years since Denise kissed the boys. It's been 12 years since her parents got to see Denise holding one of their grandbabies. It's been 12 years since anything was normal. But as I watched Noah and Adam playing flag football tonight, I felt her presence. I realized that I was the luckiest man on earth for having seven amazing kids, for having my beautiful, loving wife, Tanya, for having such amazing family and friends literally all over the country. And although it was not long enough, I'm the luckiest man on earth for having Denise. 
I just, I think it's refreshing because often we see the wife dies or whatever, and the husband moves on like a hot minute later, and then they kind of erase the wife out of the picture. Yeah. But it's not, you don't get the feeling like that at all. That's nice. Yeah. I have a cousin in Chicago and she passed when she was 40 and the husband recently remarried and he and the new wife still show up at all the family events for our cousin. Yeah. That's good. It's really nice. It's really nice that the wife, the new wife has embraced our family, even though he doesn't have to show up. No, I think it's much healthier for the kids. Oh, for sure it is. Yeah. Okay. So Michael King is still awaiting the death penalty in Florida from prison while his attorneys exhaust all of his appeals. Like I told you in the beginning of this, this was really difficult for me because it's always horrible when something tragic like this happens. But honestly, usually there are so many things that go wrong that lead up to the event. With this, everything was handled so seriously and efficiently from the beginning. And just one failure most likely cost Denise her life. And that is so scary to me that that is how vulnerable we all are. How many of us have been in our front yards with our kids and how many of us could have fought like hell the way Denise did. And it still wouldn't have been enough to survive. It's just, it's, it's too much. That's so sad, but you can also look at it as and it's horrible to look at it this way because then I, part of me doesn't believe that it's true. But sometimes when it's your time, it's your time, no matter what happens. Yeah. Well, listen, if I ever get abducted or some shit, I think we all need to take that fucking ring off your finger or that necklace. You tuck it somewhere yeah. where you know police are going to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Rip your hair out. Whatever. I know you got to do the DNA. You got to, you got to be thinking. Yeah. Well, it's like Hansel and Gretel. Didn't they leave the crumbs behind? They did. Yeah. I mean, you learn it as a young child. You just have to put it into perspective always. Yeah. You know, that is never, yeah. Never get in the car, but he, I'm sure he had, he killed her with a gun. So I'm sure he had the gun at the house. For sure, That's how he we got, got her, her in, the, in car. the car with yeah, the gun. Yeah, but if there's any way not to get in the car, don't get in the car. I wish she would have got the gun and turned it on him and shot his oh, ass. Yeah, me too. But also, listen, all these people that made these phone calls, see something, say something. I know. Don't, don't be afraid. You are not going to be able to live with yourself if something like this is happening and you didn't say something. Okay, you want me to tell my story? I'll tell my story yeah, now. Yeah, tell your story now. Okay, so I saw this. Real interesting car this week uh, while I was driving and it had stuff taped on it, which was alarming because it was almost like the person didn't want to be seen. And then the person had some sort of towel or sheet or something over their head. So they really didn't want to be seen. And then I noticed the car was going everywhere I was going. And so I didn't go where I was supposed to go. Instead, I called 911, stayed on dispatch, 
and kept driving myself because I didn't want them to know where I was going, follow me anywhere else. Right. But something was up. And whether or not the person just had plastic surgery and didn't want, you know, anybody to see that they had a nose job or they were hiding from the police or from me or from whoever, I just think it's safer to be on the lookout, call 911. 100%. If you had a bad feeling in your gut and you could have just blown that off, you could have just been like, oh, they probably just had plastic surgery and that's why they're hiding their face or, you know, whatever. I don't want to inconvenience anybody or whatever, but no. No, fuck that. No, fuck that. That's safe and sorry. Call the police. <laughs> yeah. I just did my taxes. You're welcome, America. Yeah, we pay our taxes. Yeah, we pay our taxes. We can have the police come out to a situation <laughs> that may or may not be a situation, but it is always better safe than sorry. Yeah. So I think that's that is a good lesson, Gretchy. I feel I feel so oh God. You have so many feelings with this case just because you wanted it to go a different way. And unfortunately it didn't. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, when thinking about it, I actually feel bad for this dispatcher that didn't connect the call because how do you live with that? I think it's a hard, a hard lesson to live with, but I'm hopeful that she learned her lesson. Yeah. I think she learned her lesson, but I just, I do feel bad for her that it's like, we've all made a mistake at work. Her work is just a little yeah, more intense than yeah. our work. All right. So thank you again for that. And this week, you guys, we've had a lot of people tell us that they've heard of us from their friends. And we want to thank you because that is how our podcast grows. So if you haven't told your friends or you have told your friends, tell more friends. Yeah. And thank you for the reviews. We always like those. We have a couple shout outs we want to give. And if you haven't done a review on iTunes, please do. Uh, we love them. We'll shout you out. And we like to, but we mostly like, tell we your love friends. it. What? Tell your friends. Tell your friends mostly. We need that most For sure. Tell your friends. Share yeah. it on all forms of social media. Yeah. Share friends. us. When we post on Instagram, share it. Oh, Share yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so tell us who who give us some. Okay, Little Miss Country, nineteen seventy five. Thank you, Annie B two three four five. Annie B, you are Tabitha's favorite person in the world. Oh yes. I stopped reading the reviews, and she called me up and made me because yours was so kind. It so, was. I made Gretchen. <laughs> I made Gretchen and read the review to her. And she was real mad at me that I was even calling her about a review, but. And I was on vacation with my family. Yeah. She had to take herself away from her Okies from Muskokies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sister on the fly, 3200. Love that name. Love ya. Katie Cakes. She says her name is Katie Cakes. It's so cute. Clink, clink, girlfriend. Megan from Alabama, mm-hmm. in love, binging, helped her survive work. Love that. Lizzie Yao, she would love to meet us someday. 
come to CrimeCon. CrimeCon. If not, we'll be where you are at one point, I'm sure. Uh, I think that's it. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for all your love. We love it. Give us more because it really makes our heart happy. And until next week, also Himalaya and Patreon now. If you like Patreon, sign up for us on Patreon or Himalaya. It's five bucks a month. It's cheap. Just think we're like worth a cup of coffee, right? And have a good day. Clink, clink.